Yeah, this this is going to fail for sure. Yeah. So we weren't supposed to have this particular episode here. I wanted to talk more about my general, like, kind of mental baggage, but I, I was having a really bad migraine week. I have chronic migraines, and it just really hit me pretty badly. I couldn't think about anything else. So we talked about my chronic pain. So we moved into the slightly more physical realm of my problems, although there's a big mental component to chronic pain as well. Just for some context here, I did two YouTube videos about my chronic pain. I did one YouTube video called In My Head about what it's like to have chronic pain. I did that in the early days of my chronic pain having. And then I did another video a few years after that called Writing Through Pain about how I remain creative while in pain a lot. So you may want to watch those two videos. I'll put them in the show notes. This conversation doesn't go into too much detail about what chronic pain is. It just talks about how my wife and I have been living with this fact that I've got chronic pain and we have to manage that in various ways since our lives are intertwined, sexually intertwined, with a lot of headaches. Oh, I almost forgot. A few minutes into this episode, I talk about some spoon metaphor or theory, and I didn't know where it came from, and I've since looked it up. So I'm going to link in the show notes to the blog post by writer Christine Miserandino, who uh, came up with this concept in 2003 as an explanation for what it's like to have lupus and having a limited ability to perform daily tasks. So she made up this cool analogy about having a limited number of spoons each day and each thing you do costs a spoon. So if you're unfamiliar or even if you are familiar and you want to read the original blog post, I'll put it in the show notes. I think ever since I've known you, you have had chronic pain. It was your back for a long time, and then all of a sudden, about 10 years ago, you started getting chronic headaches. In the beginning, they got really bad. The headaches? The headaches, yeah. And the back was there too, but it kind of got overshadowed by the headaches. Eventually, you got some management of them that kept them from being at their most terrifyingly bad. So that's where we are now. You still have headaches. You actively manage them. That doesn't mean they always stay away and, you know, and you go on living your life. Now, can I ask you this? When you first met me, was one of the things that first attracted to you is like, <laughs> there is a man who suffers from chronic pain? <laughs> I was, was like, that, that is sexy? some sexy lower back pain. Well, you do kind of a, um, a sexy dance when you're oh. trying to get your lower back to trying adjust. To pop the, my hip yeah. back in place. <laughs> yeah, well, that was a good way to shoot shoot forward 15 years. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure when we were talking about this where to begin because, you know, just been living with headaches for 10 years. But we're in an interesting place right now where I've learned to manage it through medication and I have, you know, a few non-medicinal solutions like Certain kinds of headaches, I, I just go for a run and it helps. You know, so I have tricks, both traditional medicine and other goofy things. Yeah, but the the fun thing is there's a mystery. Like, the tricks don't always work, so... Yeah, every week it's, it's, a, new, it's a new flavor of pain. One reason this came up, because I wasn't expecting that this would be our subject, but I've just had a really bad week of headaches. You just gave me a shot in the butt yesterday 
is this monthly drug that is a, like a pin that you shoot in the skin. And I'm too wimpy to do it myself. So you... And I kind of like uh, jabbing him with a needle. Yeah, you seem to be very, very comfortable <laughs> doing this. Like, yeah. like you, I feel like you want to over, <laughs> over prescribe this medication. Mm, that's just, right. Could he use it twice a month? For various reasons. I, I was a week or so late in getting this uh, drug into my body. So I've had just an awful week of migraines. We could talk for hours about it. And I, I don't necessarily want to talk about every aspect of it. You know, I did a video on chronic pain and wrote about it. And, but I just thought to talk about how we live our lives with this fact that I messed up some parts of every week. Uh, it's not so debilitating that, you know, I still have a day job. I still write creative stuff. I still am a, an active member in our family household, um, a partial homemaker, <laughs> um, uh, you know, but you still, we still manage it. Like you still are checking in with me on like how I'm doing. Um, yeah. and sometimes we have to reroute our plans because of it. Before the pandemic, it was my secret ticket to get out of social events that I didn't want to do. It, w it was a little bit lovely because every week I have a bunch of headaches yeah. at some degree. So, you know, if I'm at a three of pain out of 10, the stuffy social event I don't want to go to seems unbearable. Yeah. But if I want to see one of my favorite people for an hour, I was like, oh, maybe I can do that. So there is a fuzziness to where I use it. But most of the time, there's a truth to it. You know, I love that spoon metaphor that I don't know who came up with it, but how much energy you have in a day to do stuff. Is that, yeah. But that metaphor, I think, is super useful for someone who suffers with something chronic. So I'm always thinking in terms of what I have capacity to do each week. So I love that. That spoon metaphor is a really useful mechanism. Yeah, that makes sense that you're assessing how much you have to spend. You know, it's not like it's bad for other people to do that, too. We're just more living in denial about whether or not we have an infinite amount of energy in spoons. But you've gotten really conscientious. I'm always scared to use that word because I always mix up conscious conscience and conscientious. Uh, okay, but I think conscientious about living with someone with pain, you're very thoughtful about it. And sometimes I can tell you have to readjust. Like you might treat it like on a playing field with like just, I've got a headache today. And then sometimes you'll adjust like, oh, this is part of a a bigger thing going on with. Well, sometimes I can assess but, you know, I can see by looking at you or uh, the way you're wearing a hat or how you're wearing the hat, how bad your headache is. With the fro when I have frozen peas dropping out of my baseball hat. Yes. No, that's or uh, like when you tried that turban that you put in the freezer and then put on your head. Yeah. So there are some subtle tells that let me know <laughs> when that your headache is. But mostly it's, it's something in your face that I can see you're suffering and that lets me know like, oh, the thing we were going to do. We're not, not, not going to do, or you're not going. You know, I'm not. I'm not a, a very spontaneous person, and so this requires spontaneity. That something could change at any time, and you might not be want to go, or and I sure don't want to push you to go do things if you're not feeling good. Uh, one thing that came up for me when we started talking about chronic pain 
there's a way it's really hard to take in the truth of it. I don't know who it's harder for. Not like it's a competition, but, you know, I don't know. I don't know. You mean the sufferer or the person who lives with the sufferer? Yeah. I don't think they call them the suffery. (laughs) But, um, yeah, like to really take in, oh, you have headaches. You didn't always have them, but um, now you're going to have, you could have them forever. This is our new normal There's a really sad thing there to take in fully. Yeah. You know, at first there's like a, yeah, a denial about it. Like I'm not going to live like this my whole life and it's awful. And then there's maybe like a grief about it. I didn't want to be like this, but what the thing maybe now I'm in a zone where it's not bad just because it's like, you know, I'm, I'm really thoughtful about managing time and energy and that's kind of cool. Like, so Mm. In a way, it's like, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm more fucked up than most people, but everyone's fucked up to some degree in the short life they have. Um, I'm just hyper aware of it. And so in in a way, like now, it's not super awful, hmm. but maybe I'm just so accustomed to it. But yeah. it, you're right that at first, accepting it is hard for both people. Yeah. I remember it shifted for you, even though I don't know what the magic shift was. You know, that brings up the other thing that, that I was thinking about in a way they go together that, you know, part of my family system, just the way I was raised is like sickness is bad and you're kind of weak willed. If you give into it, you should just, you know, fight it. And part of that is denying it, right? Like you're going to, you should have never married a Jew. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's why. So when those two systems come together, like, you know, there's no denying it, how extremely much pain you were in at one time. And so to bring that other system over, like, oh, well, this is just something about you, that like, if you thought differently or felt differently or something, you could fix it, that doesn't, that didn't work in this, you know, I know that's not true. That kind of works with that denial, too. Just like you had denial that came in where you're like, I don't want to be this way. You know, I can feel the system like, well, it's not, it's not good of you to be sick all the time, get over that or (laughs) do something about that. And so, you know, to, to come to acceptance, both of the, like, well, this is what is now. Kind of, it's a little bit like living in Portland. Like, when it's sunny, you got to get out and do what you want to do because the rain's coming back again. And it's no, it's no use hating the rain. Nice. Whoa. I did not think you could connect chronic pain to the pe- weather patterns of the Northwest. Yeah. Uh, but you did it. Yeah. That, that That is a good example because once you accept it, then... You know, and the other thing I noticed about that is like when it's a sunny day in the nine months where you can't expect sun or in the Northwest, when it's sunny, you don't say, hey, it's not supposed to be sunny. You're like, fuck this. I'm leaving work early and I'm going outside to see the cherry blossoms or something like that. Yeah. And that was a tricky thing for me with chronic pain is just like sometimes in the early days I would... When I didn't have a headache, I would be mopey because I'm like, yeah, but I'm going to have one in six hours, so why enjoy this? But now it's a little bit more like, oh, I'm pain-free. Let me do some of the stuff that I need to be at my best to do. Um, and I just kind of maximize what I'm capable of to, given where I'm at that time. Yeah, I think that's a great example that, you know, jump in when, when, uh, when the conditions permit and don't take them for granted. Right? Don't take feeling good for granted. One tricky thing about your chronic headaches is that um, something that brings them on is even like a tiny bit of alcohol. 
And so you were someone who enjoyed having a drink or two. Oh, don't even talk about it. <laughs> and I think even because you're kind of anxious. What? Yeah. Shit. I, surprise. I, didn't, I didn't know that. Uh, surprise, you're anxious. Uh, going out and being social, alcohol really helped a lot. Yeah, I love that crutch. It was kind of interesting how the world changed when that got taken away. Both it was you were less interested in going out and being at a public event. And even less interested in going out to dinner. Yeah, there was a period where like going out to dinner almost made me angry. Because I'm like, what's the point? The cocktail is the best part of dinner. Uh, why go? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a hard few years to accept that. Yeah, and so here's a thing that you really do not, uh, did not want to give up. And um, you get punished so severely. I mean, most times when you use it, every now and then. Yeah, the right. pe- the penalty is vicious, even though I keep trying to find a loophole. You know, you maybe have a tiny amount once every six weeks or two months, something like that. It's pretty rare. Yeah, it's like a half a half a drink of something, and I, you know, I might have it might screw up half of a week with headaches. That is such a hard thing to accept. This thing is um, is close to me. I don't have free will in this realm anymore. I just don't get to do this thing. I still, you know, I keep, I wanted to say that I've accepted it, but I think I still haven't because I, I still every six weeks try to drink, be like, maybe (laughs) if I have the vodka in with a cube of ice, that will (laughs) make it okay. And there are occasions where I'm like, I'm just going to have a drink and it's, it's going to screw up part of my week and, but I want one. So it's not like I've quit, but you know, I have like half a drink every two months like it's a very small amount i still think about alcohol a lot and like when someone's drinking i'm hyper aware of it i'm just obsessive about what they're drinking i'm like what are you drinking which kind of vodka is that like Mm. do you think that's ginger beer with like actual ginger you know but i'm like (laughs) over analyzing everything everyone around me's drinking because i want to kind of savor it it's like vicarious vicariously um yeah it's a weird thing i is a little too nosy yeah i don't know is it an area of interest for you that is no longer open to you yeah and it it kind of gives me a weird relationship to like alcoholics and recovered alcoholics like then in my in my novel in fact i had to pull back a little like in previous incarnations of the novel uh, the two main characters had such vicious drinking problems that it derailed the whole story. Uh, I mean, they were awful. I don't know if you remember Saul and Kitty, but partly I wrote that. That was this is my first book I wrote with chronic pain. And even though I didn't put chronic pain or migraines into the book, there is a little bit about physical pains, and there's also about alcoholism and quitting drinking and what drinking does, just because it's so on my mind. Yeah. That makes sense. How drinking is a part of how we socialize. And you said something about um, that you think more about alcoholics and folks in recovery. You have something in common with them, but also not in common. Yeah, you know, I think this is a common element in a lot of things in my life where I feel like I don't fit any category nicely, neatly. Mm. And so it's like I can't hang out with drinkers, but I'm, I can't quite go to... AA, you know, I'm like, I still drink slightly and I don't have an addiction. I I have a stupid stubbornness that I, you know, keep trying (laughs) and keep getting migraines. But, you know, it's it's a different kind of thing. So it's like, I think I overused cousin in the last episode to say I have a cousin to trauma. And Mm -hmm. so it's like I have a cousin to alcoholism. Uh, Also, it's like it doesn't, it's, I don't fit either group right now. 
right? And you are able to stop. Yeah, I mean, sometimes when people talk about getting like blackout drunk or just can't remember things, sometimes I have the wrong first reaction, which is, that's amazing that you're <laughs> able to drink to that point. Uh-huh. Uh, it's like I... For me, uh, the closest I can get is like, I drank enough so where I could slightly feel the alcohol before the headache overshadowed anything that happened. But the idea of getting that drunk seems unfathomable to me. Well, so alcohol is one way that chronic pain changed your life. And then also having to think more carefully about how to measure out your energy or where to put it. I know, I think you even do have a video about, you know, sometimes you have a headache so bad you just have to go, like, lay down and listen to probably BoJack Horseman. Oh, maybe Um, we should do that. uh, um, But that sometimes you could do, like, a lower-level task, you know, that you have, like, a tier system. Yeah, that was a big insight for me. And, yeah, so the first video I did was about, holy shit, I have a lot of headaches. And then the next video in this subject matter I did was called Writing Through Pain, which I don't know if you remember it. I bought like a bunch of clay oh. and I did the whole thing with like clay shapes that I took pictures of for uh-huh. the videos. It was very tedious and messy. But yeah, that one I was talk. I, I got a little obsessed at that point with the tier system of like, if I'm at my best, I can do stuff like first draft writing of tricky scenes and then, you know, sometimes I can do just editing an existing draft and it goes all the way down to like listening to the computer read to me what I've written. I, and at the bottom is just like listening to BoJack Horseman, an episode that vaguely relates to themes related to what I'm writing or something like that. So that tier system was huge. I mean, if you want to stick it into the spoon metaphor, you know, it's like, you know, the I have to be aware of like, this is a three spoon task, creative task, so I can't do it today. I only have a half a spoon. So that was really useful because there were a lot of things I could do with minor chronic pain. And there, there's a point where the pain is so bad, you know, it's like fuck anything productive at all. I just need to be a zombie and listen to stupid shit on YouTube that relates to nothing. But during those other levels, which a lot of the time it's like I'm feeling some pain you know, I have like some things I can do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that was nice. Do you think there are other ways that having chronic pain has changed you? It's made me feel a lot more comfortable saying no. Like that's one thing, mm. like I'm such a people pleaser and maybe some of the things we've talked about in previous episodes, some of the obsessive thinking and some of the foreboding and dread and stuff like that relates to the fact that I want to please people. And I'm afraid I'm going to disappoint people. And I can't let go of wanting to please people. So all those things that mess me up, the chronic pain helped me be a little bit more like, just fuck it. You know, fuck them. I don't care how they feel. I'm feeling shitty. I'm going to lie down. I'm not going to go to that book launch event. And so it helped me let go a notch. You know, and obviously since we just recorded those previous podcasts. I'm still suffering from those problems, but I'd say that the degrees, the degree at which I suffer from them is a lot less because the chronic pain allowed me to say no Mm -hmm. and to not spiral as much. I mean, the, the, the beauty of having chronic pain is I got a break from my spirals of my mental spirals that I deal with. Yeah. And so it could shut that down. You know, it's like 
right now I'm just, I don't, I'm trying to think about not banging my head against the wall. So who cares about that thing? I, the cashier, what the cashier said to me or what, yeah, the, um, right. what that mediocre review meant to me, uh, you know, so it, it cleaned up some of that stuff. And when I forget it, sometimes I, I, it's almost like I can remind myself like, oh, you're lucky to be alive today. Get over this other bullshit. And so mm. I can't say that I do that brilliantly or perfectly, but I have an element of that. Yeah, that's really true. Most of the time you're not smiling unless you are. And so to have that be less, I mean, that does sound like... It's kind of awesome. I mean, <laughs> no. everyone should get chronic no. migraines. So it's like UV Zalco, he's like, migraines are amazing. Getting a book published, really difficult for me. Uh, this is this does not fit this subject matter at all. But, you know, in the same week, I went to a big book event with 8,000 people, and I had a colonoscopy. <laughs> and in a lot of ways, the colonoscopy was easier. The so. actual colonoscopy or the 48 hours well, leading up actually, to Actually, the actual colonoscopy was a cinch because I was not conscious, but the um, or conscientious. There you go. Or, no, but the preparing for it. It was pretty rough, actually. The clear liquid diet was pretty brutal. Okay, we don't need to talk about colonoscopies. That's a whole different episode. Yeah, we're gonna. It's gonna be a long time before we get to that. Like that is way down at the bottom of the <laughs> It'll list. Be like a four-hour episode. Uh, no, no, it's like you're using time in the wrong way. It's gonna be like ten years before we get to it. Oh, That's see. what I'm talking about. Or maybe it could be that in four years we have a ten-hour episode just about colonoscopies. Here's here's one thing I want to say about you. Even you have a phrase for it. You always try to weasel out of doing social stuff, or you often do. And um, the headaches made that easier for you. And also, sometimes you don't have a choice. Right? right. So it's a tricky little duo. Then our, our younger kid, who's in the 12-year-old range, that probably identifies as introverted, does not like to go into crowds or, or stores and especially, you know, one thing the pandemic did for them is they do connect with their friends online and through devices, but they got where they want to go out even less. And so between the two of y'all, <laughs> it's like proposing something. I'm not the I'm not on the whole spectrum of going out and being with people. I'm not the most going out being with people person either. But you guys make me look like a social Party butterfly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I love that, that our kid is like, you know, we could be like doing something amazing. Like, do you want to see the beaches of Hawaii? It's like, nah, I'd just rather just sit on the floor and play with my with my own stuff here. Right. How <laughs> long is that drive? Oh, it's going to be 40 minutes? Yeah, I don't want to go yeah, see something that's not worth incredible. It. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's funny that that is, and I'm more extreme like that. But our oldest kid... I mean, he, he he is very willing to go out into the world. And so at least you've so, got that. No. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. But that is an interesting thing because sometimes I have to play the role with my kid. Like I feel like this kid needs to experience these things out in the world. You know, we need to go see this blank, blank, blank statue that, or, you know, whatever's, something's coming to Portland like the the uh, immersive Van Gogh exhibit it's like we should see that i heard it's interesting and so i sometimes have to play the role of like what would a more outgoing and healthier me 
say. Yeah. Because I want to project that for my kids. So I don't want them to think of like, weasel out of everything. Say no to everything and just stay home. So I, I push myself a little more because of the, the role model bullshit. No, but that role model concept. And and sometimes it's, it's kind of nice because all chronic pain aside, I kind of need to do that a little bit. Hmm. Sometimes I... I, I say no because there's some anxiety around doing something. But when you get out there and you see it, you're like, oh, I'm so glad I did that. Or I saw that person who's important to me. So, you know, it's an interesting struggle because in a way it's important to say no a lot. And then in another way, it's important to say yes. And sometimes the no is uncomfortable and sometimes the yes is uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. finding that balance is tricky and Migraine just adds another layer to that, but it's still a challenge of like figuring out the the right combination of yeses and nos to have a meaningful life. (laughs) So here are my final words on chronic pain. (laughs) Don't get it. (laughs) Right. And if you get it, you're better than those other people who don't have it. No. Oh, no, wow. You, wow. That's, none, none of that's useful yeah. or, or it's questionable, uh, the accuracy. But, you know, it's interesting. Even though in a way I think about it all the time and in a way I don't think about it much at all. Because it's just like I'm just – I'm mortal just like everybody else. I'm just a little more aware of it. Yeah. And so in that sense, it's just the same thing. You know, I just have a few fewer spoons. <laughs> spoons. Those are, uh, those are spoons that spew. Yeah. But in another way, you know, almost every day or every week, we have to confront things like you asking me, like, what's your pain level? Can you still pick up the kid? So, um, you know, yeah. it's still a part of our lives. So it's not like it's seamless. Well, and that's actually something, you know, when I was talking about my family's way of uh, denying any illness, that part of asking you what your pain level is, like that goes against that system, actually, because that system can't acknowledge a pain level. And it's kind of rude to imply that you have, that you might be in pain because you should be managing it better in that system. Wow, that's interesting. So you can, I mean, that doesn't sound... Um, that doesn't sound very nice, but maybe um, back in the olden days when people got colds and it wasn't so possible for that it was COVID, you know, I would get a cold and kind of ignore it or be, pretend I didn't have it. And you would be like, oh, you sound sick. And I would kind of be like, shut up. <laughs> like, you take that back. I am not. And, uh, and I'm always like, you should take the day off. Right, yeah. Take two days off. Yeah, you're so supportive. Like, why don't you go? Yes, get back in bed. <laughs> Is there a movie you've been wanting to watch? <laughs> and um, and I'm like, you have insulted me by saying that I'm sick. And so I think that was part of the shift was like, to not feel rude asking you like, so where are you in your pain? I can't tell in this moment. And That's so interesting because you had to adjust to this pain scale from that perspective you're talking about and i had to adjust to the pain scale for a whole different reason like for me the pain scale originally was it's disrespectful to the level of pain i've got 
Like my pain is messy and complicated and in three dimensions. You can't put it on a one to 10 scale or zero to 10, assuming people know what pain-free is like. Hmm. I, I don't. But it was offensive to me because it felt like it uh, diminished what I, my experience was. So at first it offended me, like stop trying to rate my pain. It transcends <laughs> the scale. Finally, I came to, it's just a, it's overly simplistic, but it's a very practical way to communicate, you know, whatever my scale is, you know, like a one or two means like I can do whatever a three means I'm, I can function, but it's a struggle. And once it gets to some of these higher numbers, we have to think of readjusting the plan. Right. And so it's a, a very effective system, but it took me a while because it felt just like in previous episodes, we were talking about how, when you were suggesting I had obsessive thinking, it offended me. It's like, don't diminish my experience to this yeah. category. It's the same thing with the pain scale. I, I want to cry out about my pain in many more complicated ways than just <laughs> these 10 numbers. You want to be like, it's like a three, but with tentacles. Yeah, it's a three with tentacles and it's it reeks a little <laughs> and you can smell, it smells like sulfur and uh-huh. it's foggy out and there's a little bit of turquoise and it melts the ceiling slightly. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. But we, we ended up using the shorthand, and it serves a very practical purpose. Yeah. I also think about something that you said in that video on pain, that hilarious video on pain. A romp on pain. Where uh, where it's like you're, um, it, it, it's pretty quick, but where you're just saying that, you know, a doctor is saying, where's your pain level this week? And you're like, you know, it's a three. And they're like, oh, there's a th- it's a three. That's not that bad. And you're like, yeah, it's a three all the time, and you don't ever know when it's going to get worse, and it might never go away. Like, actually, and maybe this was part of you being offended, but like, don't act like it's acceptable for me to be at a three all the time. Yeah, it's like I've been at a three consecutively for 14 days, and so it's tough to rate that. Like, a a 14th day of three. It's like there should be a multiple. Yeah. You know, maybe other people rate it based on where they are emotionally. Maybe I need to add a plus six to that. The rating system is flawed in that way when it comes to chronic pain. Yeah. Well, shall we wind down? I don't know uh, how this one plays out, but we covered some kind of interesting topics. We didn't laugh as much as I hoped we would about my pain. (laughs) I don't know. I think when you listen back, you'll find that there's some laughter. Some some surprising this laughter. This episode is sprinkled with laughter. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, every time you laugh, it hurts my head a little bit. No, no. That's is that uh, true? No, but I am getting worse. Or I can tell that I, I probably need to get these headphones off my head. Like on a scale of 1 to 10. Fuchsia. <laughs> so... <laughs> uh, I was trying to think of something more clever. I really wanted something better than a color, like... If I were to say, like, purple monkey dishwasher, that would have been better. I mean, you have the chance again. Oh, schmock. Sorry. <laughs> That's not good either. Uh, because you have a headache. Yeah, we, we're going to have to. How about this? I'm going to, once I once my headache gets down to a three again, I'm going to spend an hour on the mic just coming up with clever retorts. Nice. Until I nail it. Nice. That and sounds people perfect. will never hear this bullshit of us analyzing this one dumb joke. Great. All right, love you. All right, love you. Uh, I forgot about my back problems. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh.